When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to the Midlife Movement Podcast with Joe Blackwell, where we're changing the narrative on aging one story at a time. Hi everyone, it's Joe here from the Midlife Movement and I am delighted today, all the way from California, to have Jacqueline Connors with me. Hi Jacqueline. Hi Joe. Hi, Jacqueline is a, um, a psychotherapist and a coach and um, I'm just really excited to talk to you about how you deal with um, self-sabotage, I think is the main subject of this, uh, of this talk. So first of all though, can we just start off by um, just discussing the difference between therapy and coaching, because I think that's something that's really quite important, isn't it? It is um, two very, very different things. And a lot of times people will come to me um, also not knowing that, you know, the answer to that. And therapy is really when we're doing therapy, it's it's more looking at kind of mental health issues. And it's it's looking back at a lot of things that kind of maybe have happened, a lot of, you know, dealing with trauma, depression, um, psychological issues. And in therapy, a lot of the focus is, you know, kind of what happened and, and trying to work on overcoming those things that happened. And in coaching, it really is more of this future focused. It's helping people set goals, reach their goals, have them accountable. Um, and I became a coach after doing therapy for a while to incorporate that because when you get a person to a level of healing, you can also move them towards now, okay, let's look at the future in terms of goals and potentiality. And um, a lot of times with therapy, it's about a diagnosis as well, and then creating a protocol and a treatment plan surrounded by, by that, the diagnosis that a person has. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It's, it makes it, um, it makes it very uh, simple and very succinct. I think that's a really good distinction um, that, you know, psychotherapy tends to be about the past and what's happened and coaching is about the future. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's all very well going over what's gone on in the past, but if you want to move forward, you've also then got to unlearn the way that you've dealt with things in the past that have served, have served you well. They might not be the coping mechanisms or the um, behaviors that are going to take you forward, would you say? Mm -hmm. And when I first was working into in the therapy part, my specialty was in addiction, and a lot of that was, um, you know, they term they use the term recovery in addiction, and the work that I do is called discovery. And partly because of that, because when you're in recovery, you tend to kind of be held in a in a state of still being sick or still being ill, right? You're, you're, you're moving mm -hmm. through it. But when you're in a state of discovery, you're actually now in a place of you've been healed. And so that's kind of the distinction um, of why I call myself Discovery 2.0 of, of this change from kind of therapy into this forward thinking of moving forward mm -hmm. in your life. 
the thing with it with addiction that I've always found a little bit puzzling um, is that if if you if you are an addict, um, particularly say for example with alcoholism, um, you're regarded as being an alcoholic just in recovery, aren't you, for the, for the rest of your life? And I've often wondered, does that hold you in place in a way? Because it, there's no sort of possibility allowed in those in that terminology for complete sort of move completely moving on. Is that to do with the physical side of addiction, or is that partly to do with the psychological side? Um, both the psychological the psychological side is the longer, right? So if you stop drinking, the physiological part starts to heal, your brain can heal, all these things will heal. And you don't have to stay in this state of physical illness. Um, you know, your our brains and bodies are amazing how, how quickly they can heal. But the psychological part is the part that can remain. If you put that, if you stay in that mindset that once an addict, always an addict. And I am not a I don't really follow that. So I'm a firm believer that people do heal. The brain does heal. And mm. I've seen remarkable, you know, work with people moving out of addiction. Mm. So it's not um, necessarily helpful to think of yourself as a recovering al alcoholic. You know, no, I tend to um, follow the kind of the idea of that, you know, it's for a lot of times for addiction, it's, it's a coping mechanism, right? It's not necessarily, a, you know, a choice people drink or do drugs or, shop or sex and all these different types of addictions um because of something you know they're mm. they're coping because of something yeah yeah and that that makes it a symptom rather than the actual problem doesn't it it's mm -hmm. a different problem yeah i see yeah yeah and, and so some that you know that recovery you know um label can kind of keep you in there and then similar with the kind of talk therapy can keep you stuck sometimes it can take you it can heal you and bring you up to a certain level but then it's um it tends to keep people stuck mm. yeah and um, this is where the coaching comes in then to set new goals and and work step by step towards those mm -hmm. I see. yeah I've often found when I've decided that I'm going to do something go towards a different goal or what have you um there's that saying isn't there if you keep on doing what you've always done you're going to keep on getting what you've always got mm -hmm. um, but if you don't change your behaviors and change your patterns of behavior then you're going to be stuck and, and not move forward aren't you what makes us find it so difficult to change our patterns of behavior and that's that's the million dollar question it's it's a great it's a great question because it, it all kind of comes down to awareness, first of all, right? So if you don't, if you're not aware you have this behavior, then you really can't change it. But once you have that awareness, then you have choice. You can either change it or, or keep it. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating how the mind works because we will want to change behaviors. You know, addiction, one of them, you know, a lot of times, you know, people will know like, oh, I know drinking is bad for me or smoking is bad for me or, or doing this behavior is really awful and it's hurting me and my family family and they want to change it but it's really difficult sometimes to change it because it's such such an ingrained pattern in our psyche in our brain right so that's kind of what, where the, the subconscious comes in and you have your conscious mind and your subconscious mind so consciously it's easy to, to kind of think those thoughts and be like I want to make these change I have this awareness now but kind of going deeper down into the subconscious of changing old patterns which is what it is 
is much more difficult. And we try to use willpower and be like, you know, today I'm going to do this. I'm going to work out. I'm going to, you know, get on this, you know, regimen of, you know, all these things. And then after, you know, who knows how long, 10 days, 30 days, we kind of go back to our old patterns again. Well, it it generally (laughs) takes me about three hours. I mean, (laughs) I'll wake up and I'll think, I'm going to cut down on sugar. I'm definitely going to cut, you know, I, I feel so much better when I don't eat as much sugar and, and then I see cake. <laughs> it's gone. And then you beat yourself up because you think, well, I have no self-discipline. I have no willpower. What's wrong with me? Um, whereas mm-hmm. I, I am quite a sort of solution-focused person and I'm very determined and I can use a lot of willpower. But when it comes to my patterns of behavior where I reward myself with sugar I comfort myself with sugar I um I just eat it because it's there because I like it I, I, you know it's very difficult to change even on you know if you take it away from the very sort of serious problems like addiction and so on just just to the day-to-day where we know something is good for us um but it's you know again another thing is um, going to bed at night I'm terrible for going, you know, actually going and getting my sleep because I don't want to waste a minute of my day. And <laughs> I suddenly think, oh, it's one o'clock in the morning again and I've got to be up at seven. And, you know, so what, how, how can we even begin to change those patterns? So, so okay, the awareness is the, is the very first thing and then wanting to change that pattern. And then when you notice the behavior happening over and over again, so in your example of, you know, I want to go to bed early, but I, I you know, I don't want to miss out on something. I'm going to, you know, some might be thinking I'm missing out or something I, I need to do. I want to fill up my day or, or whatever it is. Yeah. So then you look at the patterns, right? So is this pattern disrupting something in your life? Like, is it, is it, you know, is it, is a pattern? It's okay. Like you can live with this pattern. It's not disrupting your marriage. It's not disrupting your health. It's not, you know, um, so you, you want to look at those patterns that are very maladaptive, they call it. So when they are really kind of harming you and when you find that you can't do it anymore, it's really going down into the subconscious work. And the subconscious is it's easier said than done, right? So the subconscious is that part of where we make decisions without thinking. It's a very automatic. It's that automatic, you know, when you drive, when you eat, when you go for a walk, you don't think about these things. All these things are just, you learned them so long ago and they were so repetitious that the brain loves efficiency. And so it says, oh, Joe keeps doing this. I'm just going to put this down into her subconscious. She doesn't even have to think about it. We'll make it automatic. She can go on with her life. (laughs) And so it's really getting this kind of throwing a wrench in that thinking of, no, I can do this. So it's changing your, the wording in your brain, right? So it's changing like how you start seeing yourself. You start seeing yourself like, oh, I'm this, I'm the person that, you know, I go to bed early and I wake up early and that's, you know, who I am. And it's so easy for me to do this. And you start changing the wording in your, in your thinking about it, as opposed to like, oh, it's so hard to go to bed early. I can, I can never go to bed early. I'm not that type of person because the brain wants not to get too technical or anything, but the brain likes an identity. And if you always say to yourself, I'm, you know, I'm a night, I'm a night owl. I never go to bed before midnight. And that's just the way I am. The brain will take that literally. And, and that's what you experience. Does that, I mean, I don't want to get too too far into that. 
but there's a saying isn't there that um whatever you think you are you are <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah something like mm -hmm. that that's a terrible paraphrase but um, no, yeah, if you think you yeah. can you can't if you think you can't you can't yeah absolutely so mm -hmm. it, so it's about then changing like the way you speak to yourself and the way you think around that thing rather than bit trying to use your willpower to to do something it's about changing the way you look at it yeah you know the 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 problem with with willpower is that it if you don't have enough sleep or if your blood sugars are off your willpower goes down the drain <laughs> and if you eat sugar and don't go to bed at night definitely yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> asking, so asking myself. Yeah, no, so it's, it's very finite. It's, you know, so we try to use willpower and, you know, we always tell our kids or, you know, just, you know, willpower, but it is very finite. We can, we, it's, it's this, you know, brain juice that we have for a certain moment of time, but then it, it's not always there. It's not efficient to use willpower 24 seven. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it, it, it does this come sort of tie in with what you hear about elite athletes and so on, visualizing their success, you know, running faster, going across the, does it tie in with that, that, that kind of visualization of, I mean, I don't know what I would visualize rather than eat cake, eating a nice <laughs> apple. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're right. So it's, it's the words that we tell ourselves and it's the images in our mind. And visualization is that that imagery, and athletes use that all the time, right? Uh, you know, business people use it. You know, uh, artists use it, and it really is being able to see yourself in that state that you want to be in. But more, not just seeing it, but also feeling it, feeling what that would be like. So, if you want to take sugar out of your your diet or minimize sugar, you would maybe have more energy, and so you would see yourself, you know, maybe waking up earlier and you're like. Like, oh, I feel really good. I have more energy and this feels really great. And so you start pre-programming your brain and that's really what it's doing. So when you're visualizing or you're saying better words to yourself and, you know, affirming what you're doing is you're, you're programming your brain, your subconscious and the subconscious needs repetition because we get to that place of behaving a certain way because we've been doing it over and over and over again. That's how, that's why we can drive without even thinking about it. That's why we can walk and talk and do all these things without even thinking about it because we've been doing it our whole lives and it's become a repetition. So the more, uh, you know, repetition is one of the other kind of tools that you can use to start reprogramming your subconscious. Mm. So rather than be saying to yourself, um, I'm going to eat less sugar, which is a negative, You'd be better right. saying, I'm going to have more energy. And then making, you've got to make those neural leaps, haven't you, between having more energy means eating, eating less sugar. So there's mm -hmm. like a little gap there, isn't there? And I think that that's where my brain kind of doesn't, it doesn't associate eating sugar with being sluggish. It associates it with, with um, comforts or, um, um, I don't know, uh, like a grounding. So mm -hmm. what, what I do, what I do do, I mean, I'm telling you all my secrets here. This is terrible. Like a profession. Um, <laughs> um, but but I, I work on sort of finding other ways to ground myself. Um, so far, I haven't found one that's strong enough. <laughs> um, my husband made the most delicious lemon drizzle cake over the weekend. Oh, my gosh. And it sat there just looking at me. And I thought, well, I've had one slice. But oh, and, you know, then your salivary glands can't start going and the power of suggestion you know, um, I've seen a, 
sort of, I think it's Paul McKenna. I don't know if you know about him over the, in the US. He's a hypnotherapist. Mm-hmm. Um, he advises, I think he did something about um, losing weight years ago and about how you should visualize, um, you know, pouring sort of something unpleasant over that thing that you want to eat and then you're not going to want to eat it. And I can't trick my brain like that. My brain goes, silly. <laughs> you know what that's going to taste like. It isn't going to taste like battery acid or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hypnosis is a, a it's it's a it's a good tool also to change the subconscious. But you have to kind of go to this level of what, where did this come from? Where did this need to, um, how did sugar and feeling grounding become a part of your thinking, you know, where that association came from? And well, would you like to know? Sure. <laughs> Never mind the podcast. Let me have my personal therapy session. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of um, people listening to this who will relate to this. Um, I was brought up for the first five years by my grandmother, and mm-hmm. um, she used to pick me up. And I remember the feeling of being picked up. She'd go to the table, uh, you know, the tea table. She'd stick her finger in the butter. I mean, we're talking about early 60s here you know so it's a long time yeah, ago yeah. and then she'd stick that glob of butter in the sugar and put <laughs> it in my mouth so there's that perfect combination of fat and sugar which to me yeah. means love you mm-hmm. know so when I taste a cake I feel loved right so it's very powerful that's a very powerful it's very powerful do. And, and that's very subconscious I mean it, was a, it took me a while to uncover that because you know I'm a grown woman <laughs> mm-hmm. you know why would I associate that with love in fact when I think about it I think oh how horrid <laughs> you know what a horrid <laughs> thing that have been. but mm-hmm. looking right the way back to when I was sort of three or four years old you know and how how lovely it was to be picked up and be cuddled and be you know Shh, here you go you know sort of thing that's clearly where that comes from absolutely it, it's so ingrained right so it, it, it's mm. become a part of who you are mm. and in in order to kind of deprogram or rewire that, it would need to require kind of a repetition of you know I you know I'm comforted and I, I I'm loved and I, you know I I feel safe. But absent the sugar and yeah. you know whatever feeling that you would get, whether it's you know with your husband or um, so I do something called uh, and it's actually from the UK rapid transformational therapy so RTT mm-hmm. and what that is is kind of this hypnosis as well where you do the hypnosis and you uncover the root cause which in your case would be when you're three years old with your grandmother and I create a recording based on what that would look like for you so it'd be customized and you'd listen to it it's almost like a meditation but it's like a subliminals where you feel loved and safe but and you're not interested anymore in sugar. And so your brain starts listening to this on a daily basis, like for 30 days, so that you can start disassociating love with sugar. Because it's a very common, right? Love and sugar, mm-hmm. right? So little, like, you know, the caretaker will give you candy to so you stop crying or to soothe you or, re- or reward, you know, a child with, you know, cakes and ice cream you know so it's always sugar has always been kind of that and you pass it down don't you through the generations I mean I did it with my Mm -hmm. children I'm doing it with my grandchildren as well (laughs) you know one of my daughters said to me don't you dare don't you dare give give my daughter chocolate you know oh oh, I've got to show I love her (laughs) (laughs) how am I gonna do it (laughs) 
right isn't it yeah you realize then how these things go in sorry I interrupted you there no, 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 but that's exactly what it is. You know, that they, they go in and they they stay because they're so emotional, right? So the subconscious is kind of like the language of emotions and it makes you feel a certain way. Because logically, yeah, you know, it can be like, yeah, it's bad for you, you know, it's, but it's the feeling part of it that makes you feel a certain way. And so disassociating that that feeling is is kind of and searching where where else I can get that that feeling or I get more love and feeling from this or yeah but the subconscious is very very we we actually 95% of our lives i think it's like they say like 90 95 is run by the subconscious not our conscious mind we think we are because we are always thinking you know but when you think about it when you wake up in the morning we're actually not really thinking so much about new things we're actually thinking about the past like you know mm-hmm. uh, you wake up and you you start doing all these habits that you've done over and over again you might make coffee or you know, pick up your phone and start reading the phone and you have the, all these habits. Well, these are past things. So it's, you know, what am I going to do today? You're looking at your list. These are all kind of like past behaviors. And the subconscious is 95% of just automatic, you know, things that are, that we just, uh, we always think about. And that's why kind of what makes time go by really fast when we're thinking of the same things over and over again, because, you know, we realize all of a sudden, especially in midlife, right? We, we wake up and all of a sudden we're like, oh my God, I'm 50 years old. And, you know, where did the time go? It's like, well, the last 10, 20 years has been the same day of taking care of the kids or going to work and, you know, having the same routine over and over and over again. Yeah. And all of a sudden, because the subconscious kind of takes over and then it's like, where did the time go? Absolutely. And, and to make any kind of change, you've got to sort of, um, you know, take those baby steps outside your comfort zone, haven't you? If you've been doing oh, yeah. things over and over um, and that's not always a comfortable place to be. So I think that any willpower that you're trying to use, if you're trying to to step outside of that, you know, you know what you need to do. So what are, what are the steps then? So self-awareness um, and, um, is, is the first thing. Recognition of our patterns is this the second thing if we know that we're, we're sabotaging ourselves all the time apart from just uh, from having hypnotherapy or what have you is there is there a simple step that we can take to take that first step yeah so it's important to reframe the words right so it, in the inner dialogue so when you have this awareness like oh, i'm doing this behavior there's also a thinking pattern that's that's going along with it so Sometimes it could be, you know, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll do it tomorrow or, you know, it's too hard. I'm not going to do it. So whatever you start noticing that inner dialogue, it's reframing that inner dialogue. Right. That's really useful, actually, because um, when you think about reframing, you think about the words you're, you're saying or the feelings that you're having. I don't think you always think about the fact that it's that inner dialogue that you need to reframe. And then even more specifically to kind of the reframing, it's it's saying it in the present tense and also saying it so that it's believable. Because sometimes a person might jump from, you know, I'm a loser as an inner dialogue to I'm amazing, but then they don't believe it, but they're thinking like, well, I'm changing it and I'm saying something positive, you know? Yeah. but they're not believing it and then it goes back right so it's sometimes it's moving the needle towards you know i'm doing better today or 
you know, I'm improving more and more, something where you, it's believable and also in the present tense. Yeah, so it needs to be believable. I think that's almost like making a vision board, isn't it? And then sitting back and looking at it and expecting it all to happen without any action. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no secret in that, is there? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's a good way of putting yeah. it. That's interesting because it is something that, it's those small steps, isn't it? That um, for any kind of change, we need to take the small steps. We need to be able to see the result that we want to have and to, and to take the, the, those very small steps. And um, for anybody who wants to take a larger stride once they've started with those small steps, um, do you um, work with people online or face-to-face? -face? I do both. I do both. I have an office here um, where I live. And then, but predominantly, I would say my work is online because I work with people throughout California and, and actually throughout the United States. So, um, which is amazing and then during the pandemic I was I, I do some international work and and you know just meeting people from where you would never meet them right and I would I'll never meet them again in person but we meet you know online and it's just it's an amazing thing and you can um you know first people it, it's hard to, you know to kind of think like well I'm going to do therapy online or hypnotherapy online but it's uh it actually works just as well. It works, yeah. In fact, I have clients that I do see in office um, and sometimes they want to still do it online so that they can, you know, be comfortable at home or. Mm. Well, it saves so much, you know, time and travel expense as well, doesn't it? So if you want to fit something into oh, yeah. a busy day, it's so mm -hmm. much easier. Um, and I mean, the only problem with it, of course, is with the time zones, you've had to get up at 6.30, well, not get up, but be online at 6.30 in the morning <laughs> to talk to me at 2.30 in the afternoon. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Uh, so if, if, if we want to work with you, actually, it works out quite well for us because we'd just be late afternoon. You'd be late. We'll put all your contact details in, in the podcast notes so that people can get in touch with you if they'd like to and your, your website um, so they can read more about what you do. Um, thank you very much for coming and talking to us. It's been Yes, absolutely. Really I appreciate it. Yeah. So thank you, Joe. And it's great meeting someone over so far on the other side of the world. And I, I love that. That's what I love about this. Me too. Me too. All right. Take care. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.